When you're planning an adventure, you can't help but think of what you're going to eat. At least I can. You might be thinking about that smoothie that's going to fuel your climb or what snacks you'll throw in your pack to fill you up without weighing you down. And then, of course, there's the celebratory meal afterwards. What can you eat that's going to taste good but also help your body recover? Foodie adventurer and award-winning chef Maria Hines takes all of this into account when she's planning meals for her adventures. She wants to help you do the same. I'm Shelby Stanger, and this is Wild Ideas Worth Living. Chef Maria Hines is a James Beard Award winner, which is kind of like winning an Oscar in the food world. Her Seattle restaurant, Tilth, was known for its thoughtful, local, and certified organic cuisine. In 2005, Maria was named one of Food & Wine Magazine's 10 Best New Chefs, and she's competed on TV shows like Top Chef Masters and Iron Chef America. She even wrote and published a cookbook in 2020 called Peak Nutrition. It's all about the food we use to fuel our bodies for outdoor adventures. These days, Maria is a consultant, a speaker, nutrition coach, and she's the star of REI's YouTube series, Cookout with Chef Maria Hines. Outside of her professional life, Maria is also a passionate climber and outdoor enthusiast. For her, movement is medicine, whether that's in a bustling kitchen or scrambling up rock walls in the great outdoors. Maria Hines, welcome to Wild Ideas Worth Living. Hey, thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. I had no idea you were from San Diego, and that's where you learned to cook. I was just really curious, like how did you first fall in love with cooking? I, I've always been very creative, and uh, I wanted to do something in the artistic world. And quite honestly, Shelby, like, I, I couldn't sit in a chair in school like to save my life. So like, I'm just not good with orthodox learning and I moved through the world very viscerally. So finding something that allowed me to uh, channel that really felt like a gift and to be able to find that, you know, at 16 years old, you know, cause entry level in a kitchen, you don't need any experience. I mean, it's kind of a, the entry level can be very, you know, a, a very low level. So you were 16 and got your first kitchen job. Yeah. Where did yeah. you work? Carlos Murphy's right behind uh, North County Fair in Escondido. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. It was an Irish Mexican uh, bar and grill. <laughs> You don't have many of those around. No, no, no. You know, we're doing 500 covers a night and, you know, super, super busy, busy, busy place. So it was a, a good place to kind of just earn my chops in the realm of um, high volume cooking. I listened somewhere. You talked about, you know, one of your first jobs, you were getting paid to peel carrots and you were like, this is so cool. That was there. That was in Carlos Murphy's. That was probably, you know, the first couple of days of working. And it was that, you know, Shelby, how you have, um, you just have moments in your life where you, you realize that you are exactly where you're supposed to be in that moment in time. And if you embrace that, it will really propel you forward and that was one of those moments. That was the first moment that I was just super stoked to be cooking in, in, in a kitchen and realizing that like this, this really resonates. What's happening right now? All of your senses 
firing off at the you know, all at once. So it's like all the, all the smells, you know, that you're smelling, like you smell like bones roasting the oven, you know, when they're about ready to come out and, you know, you can hear, uh, a pot hissing and, and the water rolling. So, you know, when, you know, water's coming up to, uh, to a boil and all of those things, you're, you're relying on all of that to be able to, um, to do your job, you, you go in flow mode and you know all about flow mode being a surfer, right? And that's where I live. I, I look for flow and, and anything that I'm doing. Cause it's when I'm the most present, it's like a, a meditative practice. Cause I mean, heaven forbid you, you tack me down for more than three minutes to do an actual mindfulness meditation. It's, it's quite difficult, but you have me in a situation where I'm cooking in an intense environment or, you know, hanging off the side of a cliff in Yosemite Valley. And, you know, it's got your attention. How did you get good? And like, what, what job did you have where you're like, oh, like, this is how you really cook? I would say I got good by being a real hard worker and just getting my reps in, you know, I, I knew that this is what I wanted to do. So I went to Mesa Community College there in Claremont and received an associate's degree in, in culinary arts and, uh, you know, with the, with the intention of going to get a, a bachelor's degree in, in new nutrition. Um, but I just was so in love with being in the kitchen, being a part of the action and just actually doing it. So I, you know, I, I ditched out after I got my associate's degree and all I did was I just worked. I was obsessed. I love that. You seem to have a lot of energy, but also focus. So you started putting in reps. What happened next? Well, from San Diego, I had, I had gotten to a point where, you know, I was, I was in my late twenties and my next position in San Diego would have been the executive chef of um, one of the top restaurants there. And I realized that I wanted more and I needed to learn more and I needed to grow still. And it was time to um, move to another city so I could do that. And so before I moved up to Seattle, um, I went to France and I basically did a, a stage for three months, which, you know, basically you're working for free, working 60 hours a week in trade for room and board. Uh, so that was an incredible experience was cooking. At the, like a French restaurant or? Yes, it was a, it was a Michelin star rated restaurant um, at the foothills of the uh, French Alps in the Savoie region in this little town called uh, uh, Chambéry. And I didn't speak a lick of French. So it made it very challenging. But fortunately, I'd been cooking for nine years already. So um, I could look and see what was going on and just mimic it, right? You know, because at, at the end of the day, it's like when you break down a beef tenderloin, you break it down the same way, whether you're in France or, or whether you're in, in San Diego. So um, it was an incredible experience, but the, the language barrier took a little bit of getting used to, I guess. Being in France opened Maria's eyes to new culinary possibilities. In San Diego, an ingredient's life started when it arrived in the kitchen. It was less about where the food came from and more about making it taste good. 
But she learned in France that so much happens before the food even gets into her hands. During her stage, she discovered the joys of using local organic ingredients in her cooking. When did you first get excited and start incorporating local and organic food in your practice? I really got deep into it when I cooked in France. The chef's sister had a little garden and she would come in the door with this big, beautiful wicker basket every day with these European vegetables that I had I'd never even seen or heard of before, like uh, cardoon and salsify and cron. And it was amazing. It was just like when you have food that that's, it's that fresh that it just got pulled out of the ground and you, um, as the cook, get to work with it right then. There's a difference in the, the texture. You know, it has more snap. Um, it has more of that water content. It has more flavor to it. It has more brightness. And it's just like you're working with a completely different product than when you have something that's been chucked to you. So it really kind of started started there. And I had this this map of France and I would bring it into the kitchen and I would hold up whatever the products were, you know, if it was fish or if it was, you know, venison that we were working with or whatever. And I would tell the chef, I'd show him the map, I'd put it on the kitchen table and I'd hold up, you know, let's say the venison loin. And I'd, I'd like, where is this from? And point to the map. And he'd show me where it was from. And I'd make a little mark and I'd go home at night and I would make this little flag and I'd put like, okay, it's, you know, from here and, and breasts, you know, this, this chicken is coming from, you know, the area of breasts and, and, you know, in France. And then the, the venison loin is coming here in the Savoie region. And I'd make these little pins so I could look at this map and I could see where all the cheeses were from and where the proteins were, you know, whatever it was, the fish or the venison and like, you know, certain vegetables. So um, that's where I really was just loved knowing where my food came from and realizing that when you're using sustainable, you know, organic practices and it's coming locally, that the flavor is just so incredible. So it really started there. After her time in France, Maria moved to Seattle. There, she could have more access to the ingredients she dreamed of. Seafood coming in from the nearby coast, agriculture not too far from the city, and opportunities to forage for mushrooms, berries, and wild greens. This kind of access to fresh ingredients is the stuff that chefs dream about. So you left France, you headed to Seattle, how did you bring what you learned in France back to Seattle with you? When I, you know, came up to Seattle and started cooking and and hooking into the farmers markets and and buying from the farmers and there's a lot of those relationships that were developed out here that have been really incredible and they're like family to me. And it was just a, a process of going out on their land. They'd be like, well, come up, check it out. And, you know, and, and all the education would happen. Like George from Skagit River Ranch would get out his refractometer and, you know, get a little bit of the soil. And he would, you know, tell me about it and, and talk about the um, amount of work he puts into just making the soil perfect for the grass and the clover and the marigolds for his chickens and for his cattle and how all of that um, affects the food that we eat. When that animal is harvested and, and we're having that steak, then 
that's what we're ingesting. And it's just a beautiful full circle as opposed to, you know, a feedlot, you know, subsidized corn, you know, sprayed with pesticides, then, then, then that's what you're putting in your body and that's what you're eating. And, um, you know, I learned all that from the farmers. That's so cool that you went out to the farms. It's perfect because you love spending time outside. So how did you get so into nature? Moving up to Seattle, it is so beautiful and so green up here. I, I never seen anything like it. Like I moved up here sight unseen and, uh, you know, I, I had, I'd read a lot about it in, in, in culinary trade magazines. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of women chefs up here and there was just this bounty of food. And just being in trees, like uh, yeah. whenever I go to just even Northern California and beyond, there's something about trees for me that does it. Oh, Shelby. Absolutely. And now I live literally like I live literally in the trees. You you got this little cabin in, is it called Mazama? How do I say this town? Yeah. So Mazama is the little town of 225 people. It's right there nestled at the, the foothills of the, the North Cascades. It's right at the mouth of uh, the valley, uh, the Meadow Valley. So we're, we're living on the land of the Meadow people in that area. There's incredible rock climbing and there's mountain biking and there's paddle boarding and there's trail running. So with rock climbing, you said you discovered that when you went to Seattle? Yeah. So, um, I was working at a restaurant and, uh, my sous chef was like, Hey, you know, you should go to the vertical world climbing gym with, with me and my boyfriend and, um, check out rock climbing and went to the climbing gym and, just, it clicked. It's that same thing, that same energy where, you know, it's very much like, yeah, it's it's flow. It's absolutely flow. And like your mind and your body need to be connected in order to get to the top of the route. And that puzzle process of, okay, left hand here, right hand there, and, and orienting your body in such a way that you can do it as gracefully and elegant and lightly as you can, even though it's a very physically demanding activity, is like the most beautiful thing that that you can do with your time. I think. I mean, it's it's quite selfish, but it's uh, it's such a beautiful process. <laughs> Self love is not selfish. That's Aww. what one of our our best podcast guests told me. So, when did you first rock climb outside, and what was that like? Probably a, a month or two after I climbed in the gym and oh my goodness, Shelby. Okay. So, uh, North Bend is like right outside of Seattle and, you know, we drove up there and we started walking through the woods and, you know, like maybe 15 minute walk up and you're just looking at, you know, a beautiful forest full of evergreens and, the ground cover of these beautiful sword ferns. And then you walk 10, 15 minutes and then you see a little crag, you see, you know, some, uh, a rock face and there's all these climbers. And I was just like, this is a thing. Like people do this. Like this is the coolest thing ever. I was exhilarated. It was incredible. Once Maria started climbing outside, she couldn't stop. 
She went on trips with friends, she became familiar with routes in her area, and she even asked her buddy to build a small climbing wall at her house in Mazama. The rush of getting outside and challenging herself physically suited her energetic personality. Climbing also got her thinking even more about her first love, food, and how she could nourish her body to fuel her adventures. When we come back, Maria talks about the specifics of her diet and what she eats when she's out climbing. She also talks about her YouTube series with REI, Cookout with Chef Maria Hines. Maria's love of outdoor adventure and rock climbing was connected to her passion for food and local ingredients. The land provided her places to explore, and it also produced beautiful food for her to eat. As Maria became a more avid climber and hiker, she realized there wasn't a cookbook out there for foodie adventurers like her, so she had the wild idea to write one herself. Maria's book, Peak Nutrition, Smart Fuel for Outdoor Adventure, came out in 2020. It features delicious recipes for mountain athletes with insight into human physiology, how nutrition relates to stress, and so much more. Let's talk about the book, Peak Nutrition. How did you get the idea for it? I decided, okay, I got to write this book because it doesn't exist. There, there, there was no book out there that was written for the outdoor mountain athlete. So it's all of those things. I started to go, okay, I want to keep doing this stuff. Like how, how am I going to keep doing Like I'm not 20 anymore. So like, you know, how do, how do we make this happen? So I teamed up with my personal trainer, Mercedes Pohlmeyer. We were out bouldering um, one day and I was like, Hey, this book doesn't exist. There's no sports nutrition cookbook for the mountain athlete. Let's write this thing. I'll do all the recipes for it because I'm already, you know, like eating clean and I'm, you know, dialing in recipes for me personally for when I am having multi-day events uh, in the backcountry and let's share this knowledge and use this as a way to combine our skill sets to give back to the outdoor community that has enriched our lives and given us so much. And, you know, the book came out last year and it's the uh, first book from Mountaineers Publishing to ever go into every REI unit in the United States. Um, so we're, we're psyched on that. And it won the, the National Outdoor Book Award. Um, it sounds like a really boring category to win an award in. But given that we were trying to write a comprehensive book on sports nutrition, like, you know, we were, we were pretty psyched on it because we, you know, we, we put our hearts into that, that piece. And our goal was to feel like you could, you could engage with it. There, there isn't a bunch of rules that you need to follow and, and do's and don'ts, just like a few simple things, just like eat food that's good for you. And, you know, don't worry about it and listen to your body because all of our bodies are, are different. Our own Physiology should be our guide in how we feed ourselves and, you know, what is um, providing energy for us and then what is taking energy away. That's kind of the philosophy with how I try and move through the world. This is a big question, but like you have this giant love of food, giant love of nature, giant love of adventure, and you've figured out a way to combine them all. 
Tell me a little bit about how you've done it and your philosophy and just how they're all interconnected. Thank you. That's a great question. Um, I'm trying to combine it all. That's that's the hope. Uh, yeah, you are. You're doing it. You know, cooking. It's a way to be able to express myself, and it's also a way to show love and to be in service to others. You're nourishing people with this food. So if you came into my restaurant at Tilf, you know, it was the uh, second restaurant in the United States to be um, certified organic through Oregon Tilf. And that's a big commitment right there, right? It's my guest who come in the door because I want to feed you organic food because I want to nourish you. And I want it to give back energy and I don't want it to take your energy away, right? So there's that aspect of it. Um, the other aspect about food that I love is like that nutrition piece. So I, I ended up, you know, a few years ago working on becoming a certified nutrition coach so I could learn more about how food can actually be medicine. So now you're taking that that nourishment, that caring for others to that next level and learning about how food can be medicine in order to live your, your fullest life. Um, and when I'm in the mountains, that is the place that I love to move my body and, and, and exercise. Eating the right things when you're in those elements is a way to help increase your performance. Maria was the perfect person to write a book like Peak Nutrition. She's armed with a holistic understanding of food, and she's an experienced mountain athlete herself. The recipes in the book are tasty, convenient, and nutrient-dense. Maria has nailed the balance between nutrition and flavorful food. She appreciates the science behind her body's energy consumption and the food we crave. But what does Maria actually eat to feel good and fuel her long days of climbing? You know, I focus on eating lots of vegetables and protein. Like that's that's basically the focus of of what I want to try and eat and and a little bit of fruit. And the reason why that works the best for my system and for for a lot of people's system is you're balancing out your blood sugar, right? Because if you're eating too many simple carbohydrates like, you know, pastas or, or bread that, you know, that have been refined or refined sugars, it hits your bloodstream right away. And so you immediately get that energy, but you you crash just as quickly. And sometimes when you crash, you actually crash below what your baseline was before you even put it in your mouth, you, you know? So that would be an example of something that takes away energy. So I woke up this morning and before, you know, my mind said like, okay, give me that like sugary pastry, I had a smoothie ready to go in the fridge. And my smoothie, you know, was uh, chocolate vega protein powder with kale and with frozen berries all mixed together. And it was there ready for me to go. So you basically go through the strategy of taking out anything in your house that, you know, is not going to serve your body and you fill your house up with things that will serve your body. And then, you know, your, your little pea brain that just is all of a sudden like, nope, I'm super tired. I need sugar. Nope. I'm super sad. I need sugar. Nope. I'm super hungry right now. I need energy right now. I need sugar. Well, 
if you take that away, then you can start to change your physiology into being like, I need protein, I need fat. And then you start craving that. What will you have for lunch and what will you have for dinner today? That's a real good question. We're we're back and forth from Azama and stuff right now. Um, I I don't even know. I have I have a turkey breast in there, so the turkey breast will get roasted. We'll have our protein for you know at least a couple days to get through, and then let's see. I have some kale in there that's starting to get a little raggedy, so I'll probably saute up that kale, or I'll just like leave it raw and make like a little quick Caesar. You know, could like. Lunchtime, like it's got to be sorted, right? And then you can turn around and have that for dinner, the turkey breast. So I can like dice that up and saute up some mushrooms and add that little bit of half and half to it, a little bit of lemon juice. And, you know, there you go. So very, like very simple, simple preparations, especially like on, on a work day, you know, you just like sear a piece of fish really quickly and then like saute up some, you know, peppers with it. But having like the little condiments in your fridge is what can make quick cooking taste really delicious. Like if you have, you know, harissa, which is a Moroccan spice, or, you know, even if you have like sriracha, whatever, heavily spicing things, heavy on the herbs, you know, basil, cilantro, those sorts of things, really bolster up the flavor and it makes it feel different. So what are some of your go-to foods for a day of climbing and hiking? So here's what a day looks like for me if I'm going to go do a multi-pitch rock climb in Washington Pass. So if I get up at 4, 4.30, the first thing I'll do is, you know, have uh, like a half cup of coffee so I don't get over-adrenalized. And I'll have a smoothie that's already made. Start drinking electrolyte water. And, you know, uh, that that's my first fueling. Well, fueling starts the night before, right? So the night before I'd have a good dinner um, a couple hours before bed. And then get to the crag, do an hour and a half hike in. You know, it's like you got some stuff in your pack and you're going uphill and you're on a climber's trail and you have to navigate, blah, blah, blah. And then you get you get to the base um, of the route. And then once I'm at the base of the route and I'm pulling stuff out of my pack, get my harness on, going pee. But while all that is happening, I'll take two little frittata bites that I had made already. And I will eat those frittata bites, which would be the equivalent of probably like one and a half to two eggs, you know, with like some bacon spinach or whatever. And then I'll just climb. And then when I get up to the top, I might have a snack. Like I'll have a few macadamia nuts. They're very calorically dense, but they aren't a lot of weight. It gives the, um, the omegas that I need for my brain to make sure that I stay really focused because now I'm at the top of the peak and now I have to repel. So, um, try and keep my wits about me, keep my, my coordination up. And then now it's time for the hour and a half hike out. I might have one more thing of fuel. Like I'll bring a, a homemade bar that I made and I'll just, and, and everything that I have, I'm, I'm bringing things that I can multitask so I can eat while I'm changing out my climbing shoes, while I'm putting on my harness, while I'm tying my knot, when I'm putting everything back in my pack and putting my, you know, approach shoes back on and, and all that sort of stuff. I'm eating things that are very efficient where I can continue to move and I put them in places in my pockets or whatever, where it's also accessible. So I, I, I put that in my protocol as far as my food is concerned. You know, you just got to 
you got to keep your food as light and calorie dense as you can and make sure you're eating things that will serve you and give you the energy. In Maria's book, there are tons of recipes for yummy snacks and food to carry on the trail. She also shares this expertise in a series on REI's YouTube channel called Cookout with Chef Maria Hines. Think of a classic cooking show, but one that takes place on a campsite picnic table or a beach overlooking the Puget Sound. In the series, Maria shows you her camp kitchen setup and walks you through some fantastic meals, things like seafood risotto, a summer salad with seared cheese, and even fresh pasta. She rolls out the pasta dough on top of her cooler with a water bottle like a total badass. We can take our dough. I'm gonna get our water bottle, roll it out. You can make these as thick or as thin as you prefer. Look at that, look how beautiful that is. Okay, so now we're gonna take our climber's knife because that's all we have available to us. When you're cutting it, there isn't necessarily a trick, it's really up to you. That's a beauty of pasta, like you can, you can do really any shape that you want. Like this is the nice, simple, straightforward, like just really nice pasta. Okay, so you have this amazing YouTube series with REI, which is great because you're combining everything you love, adventure and food. And I watched a couple episodes last night. It's very entertaining, very informative. You're a total badass, but you're also funny and you explain cooking in like the most, it's the best cooking show I've ever seen. Tell me about this show. It's, uh, it's called Cookout with Chef Maria Hines. And that's just the, the premise of the show is just cooking out being outdoors, celebrating the outdoors, moving your body, adventuring out there and how you can tie cooking into it. Like Shelby, there is so much like shit camp food out there on the market. And it's like, you know, dehydrated and it's over salted and it's all refined carbs. And it's just like, it feels like a gut bomb when you eat it. And like, that's, you know, when you're moving your body outside, like you want to be comfortable, like you want your vessel to be like on point, right? Because that's that's what's taking us to these incredible places. So in one episode, you're like kayaking and you make this amazing pistachio salad with this like grilled cheese. That's like beautiful cheese. It's like a nice halloumi cheese. Yeah. And then yeah. I watched this other episode where you're making homemade pasta in the wild. And it's mind-blowing. That whole episode with the, the camp pasta was a very fond memory of climbing um, Leaning Tower in Yosemite Valley with two dear friends of mine. And this is like a beginner trade route. You know, if, if you want to get into big wall climbing in Yosemite Valley and like you want to get on El Cap, like this is this is one of the, the easier routes where you're only going to spend, you know, one night. So we did this climb and it was great. <laughs> 90 degree weather. We ran out of water. We got up to the ledge, like the top of pitch four or something like that and realized that we weren't going to have enough water to finish the climb. We wrapped down the climb. Then you got to hike out and then we had to go get water and then spend the night on the ground on the valley floor. And then we had to like jug back up our fixed lines with like all this water attached to our harness, you know, in this 90 degree weather. So it was, it was, it was fully fully epic. So anyways, we finished the climb, we top out and it's sunny and beautiful. And then 
then you see that the weather's coming in. And as we're doing the wraps, um, there's hail and the visibility is like less than 10 feet oh. in front of you. So we're like doing these like double rope length wraps down this gully um, with like, you know, 10 feet of visibility with hail, you know, and, and slick rock. But we did it. So we get done, we get back to the valley floor, we camp out. We don't have any cooking equipment because, you know, we were we were staying in a, a tent and we were just going to like eat pizza. Uh, but we're like, okay, we're going to make dinner. Like we're going to have a celebration dinner because like we just did that. And we're like, what can we do? We don't have any cooking equipment. We have a jet boil that we use to like make coffee in the morning. And I was like, I'm making pasta. So we went to the little shop that they had there in town where they had like some, some staples and stuff. And, uh, I was like, cool. Cause like all we need is flour, water, egg. Yep. And then we have pasta. So I was like, okay, I have my climber's knife and I have my Nalgene bottle that I can use as a rolling pin. And we have the jet boil. So I just made pasta with that. And I didn't, I would never think to make pasta like that. I wouldn't like you know, in, in a professional kitchen, like I would make it the best possible way I could. But when you are limited on resources, but you still want to like cook something rad, you just kind of figure it out. And then I was so psyched on, it, I was like, oh man, I got to share this with people and let them know that like, check it out. You can actually do this. Like I am as surprised as you are, but now I know how to do it. So let me demonstrate this. So y'all know that you can do it. And maybe just maybe if you can see that someone can make it with limited resources, well, making it in your home kitchen would be the easiest thing in the world. And and hopefully that came across. It's such a good show. You're such a joy to watch. I mean, it's just clear in the videos how much you love cooking and being outside. So what's next for the show? As we continue to do Cookout with Chef Marie Hines, it has been my wish to really address the the food equity challenges that we have on the local level in our country and you know around, around the globe and finding ways to be a storyteller and show people how to make recipes using ingredients that have been mindfully sourced is uh, a big part of what that program, what the show already is about. And that next level that I am taking it to is let's get a little political. Let, let, let's talk about some of these challenges that are happening. You know, we have a lot of, I have a lot of privilege, but not everyone has such great access to food and not everyone can afford to eat healthy, clean food and shop at farmer's markets. And, you know, some places it's it's a full on food desert and then food sovereignty. Right. Like, you know, and, and people um, not having the space and the ability to connect with their food culturally and how some of that has been taken away from them. And then climate change, everything that's going on, you know, we're, we're watching the land burn and, you know, it is really wreaking havoc on the whole planet and that's affecting our food system. Food is something that we all do and it's a way that we all can connect and figuring out a way 
to do that and really talk about these food equity issues and climate change and how that's affecting our food system. So um, it's my wish that we can use this show to give all of us the tools and help guide us into a new world. Maria sees the future of food, and it's a beautiful one. For her, food isn't just about taste or origin or nutrition. It's all wrapped up to make it a multifaceted, intricate part of our day-to-day lives. The connection between food and nature is everywhere. Our planet provides the resources we need to grow and harvest beautiful ingredients. That, in turn, nourishes us. We all deserve access to food that makes us happier, healthier, and more compassionate people. Maria, thanks so much for coming on the show and sharing your philosophies and stories with me. Thank you also for sending me chocolate. You can all send me chocolate if you'd like. I had an absolute blast talking with you. You can get Maria's book, Peak Nutrition at REI, or anywhere books are sold. You can also follow along with Maria's adventures on her Instagram at Chef Maria Hines. That's C-H-E-F-M-A-R-I-A-H-I-N-E-S. And of course, be sure to check out our show, Cookout with Chef Maria Hines at youtube.com slash REI. Wild Ideas Worth Living is part of the REI Podcast Network. It's hosted by me, Shelby Stanger, written and edited by Annie Fassler and Sylvia Thomas of Puddle Creative, and our senior producer is Chelsea Davis. Our executive producers are Paolo Motola and Joe Crosby. As always, we love it when you follow the show, rate it, and take the time to write a review wherever you listen because we read all of them. And remember, some of the best adventures happen when you follow your wildest ideas. <laughs> <laughs>